last week, uh, I shared a message that I called, What Matters the Most? And it was really a message about the importance of you and I, the church, reflecting the heartbeat of Christ, reflecting heaven in reaching lost people. You can listen to that message online at our podcast or at our page. But you know what? I've just been thinking a lot about our move that's, that's coming up and, and how we are, as Caroline said, moving into the community. And I just want to stay connected a little longer on this theme of, of reaching others, of reaching out, of going beyond ourselves. And just spend a little bit more time on this today. If, you, if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message, Put the Clipboard Down. And that'll make a little bit of sense. I love uh, some of these weird titles, but it helps you to remember them. Put, put the clipboard down. And I just want to talk about ministering love and grace to a lost world or in a dark world or a darkening world, being that, being that, that light, of, light of love. I want to do this. I want to kind of set this up this morning by telling you uh, a bit of a story about a man named Bob. And uh, this is actually a true story. And, and Bob really is his name. Some of you will actually remember Bob. And I'm going to tell part of the story at the beginning of this message. And then I'm going to finish it at the end. But, uh, you know, I always remember when Bob walked into our church some, some years ago. And Bob came into our morning service. And, and he didn't come into our church as kind of like, as we would call a backslidden Christian looking to get right with God. Bob came in kicking and screaming, dragged by his, his wife, and he was a practicing New Age spiritualist. That, that, that was Bob. And, and in that service, and I, I remember it very clearly, God, God moved on him. God touched his life in, in that morning. And he described it to me later how he got... He's an American man. He got juiced by a higher power, some higher power. Some of you are remembering Bob who've been around for a little while. And so I was pretty excited to to meet up with Bob uh, a couple of days later to find out, you know, who he was and hear a bit more of his story. And so I arranged for a coffee appointment, I think around the Tuesday or the Wednesday. And, And it wasn't long into our coffee appointment with Bob that that, that I just, my enthusiasm for Bob considerably waned. And, and see, Bob began to tell me what he personally believed in terms of his spirituality. And Bob was involved and had been involved in kind of every kind of new age practice you can think of. Like he told me that he, I think he, if I, if I remember rightly, he lived with a witch doctor out in the desert somewhere. And he's telling me this probably, oh, my goodness, no, no, you didn't, did you? And, and I remember coming, coming back from that coffee appointment really deflated, really, really deflated because to me, Bob, he had, he had sin germs, right? Like, and, and, and he was not at all in my mind ready to receive Jesus. And if, if I'm honest, I just wasn't comfortable with Bob being in our church. And, and then the next week rolls along and Bob's back. Bob comes back to our church and, and, and he's a friendly American, but I'm not comfortable with Bob at all. 
And I remember chatting to a few of the leaders about him. And, and not only that, Bob didn't come back to a Sunday morning, but he had the audacity to turn up at our Wednesday morning Bible study, a men's group that we had just off the foyer. And, and that's where we go deeper, right? That's where we get close to Jesus. And Bob's there. And, and how dare he come along to that? And, and then... And then that first Wednesday morning Bible study, I was shocked because Bob, albeit politely in his way, he tells the group that he believes the Bible is a crock of BS. I'm not kidding. He says that and he doesn't, he, he says the word in a church. He says that and oh my goodness, that's not on Bob. What's, what's going on here? But you know what? Bob kept coming back and I was getting a little bit, kind of not, not, a little upset about this. I wasn't happy because I believed that Bob was probably polluting the atmosphere somehow with his new age stuff. He was doing stuff. I don't know what he was. Maybe he was a plant from the devil, but Bob kept coming back and I didn't need Bob in my church. I certainly didn't need him in my life. And it's just causing me all sorts of problems. And so I began to prepare in my mind to show Bob what I, what I will call, and this will make sense in a little bit, the clipboard. I was wanting to show Bob the clipboard. And, and the clipboard is the list of reasons why he should not really be hanging out with us. The, the clipboard is the list of things that Bob was doing wrong, that I wasn't happy with, and God probably wasn't either. But I was getting ready to show him the clipboard and I was thinking about the different things that I'd mentioned on that because I, I just needed Bob to know what the clipboard had to say. And as, I, as I'm preparing this list in my mind and thinking, when am I going to have this convo? Should it be after the men's group? Or would I, do I take him out for, for coffee again? And, and as I was getting kind of thinking about this, you know, just during the day, I always remember this. I, I heard the distinct voice, that inner voice of the Holy Spirit as I'm thinking about Bob and, and my clipboard, God speaks to me and he says this, keep your hands off Bob and, and put the clipboard down. Oh, I'm like, well, what about what he said about your word? Like, keep your hands off him. I'll come back to that story in, in, in just a, a moment. I, I can't tell you how many times since that day, and this is probably a decade ago, that I've wanted to pull out the clipboard with some people and start ticking boxes like I wanted to do with Bob, who show up and, and, and show them what they're doing wrong. And, and, and what they need to stop doing and, and how they need to receive Christ. Maybe a lot because it just makes my life a whole lot easier. And from time to time, the clipboard comes out and I start thinking about it. And, and, and I've, I've realized over the years of pastoral ministry and seeing different ones before they make this decision to Christ come in. And if you were here last week, we had, we had a, a, a couple of people there. And, and, and I just realized the very important and valuable lesson. And, and it's this, that the, the Holy Spirit is very capable of doing a work in the most difficult of people. He really is. He, he's very able to, to do that, of, of transforming individuals from the inside out. That's what he does. And, 
And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. And he's very capable of that. And then, and then for me, when it comes to my ability, is, is I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not actually able to transform the heart of somebody from the inside. I can't, cannot do that. My, my clipboard is not, is not going to work. I can't change you. I can't force you to change. I can't enforce that, that change to, to come. And if, if I can learn to put the clipboard down and really love that person and then leave Jesus to take care of the rest, Powerful things can happen when we give the Holy Spirit that room to move in someone and he does all the convicting and the convincing that he needs to do when we will love them. You know, the people in the Bible that were known the most for carrying uh, clipboards around, there are a bunch of people in the Bible and the Gospels, particularly around the time of Jesus, they were called the Pharisees, right? And they were like the religious leaders of the day. And, and, you know, if there was ever a group of, you know, religiously spirited people bent on letting you know how bad you were, it was the Pharisees. They were clipboard carriers. They loved to do, to do that. In fact, they actually, they literally carried clipboards around with them. They were called, I've got this written down, phylacteries. And a phylactery was this, were these boxes that the, the Pharisees would wear on their garments. And inside these little boxes called phylacteries was the Torah, was the commandments that they would hang. Jesus actually spoke uh, of them. He, he said this, that, that uh, he goes, for they, the Pharisees, bind heavy burdens, the clipboards. Hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men, they make phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They had big clipboards visible, and they wanted you to know what you were doing wrong. And and if you've read the Gospels, you'll know that, that the person who had the most run-ins with the Pharisees was Jesus, right? And, and, and he had a lot to say about them. There are whole chapters devoted to the, the, the belief of Jesus when it came to the, these religious ones. And we won't go over that, but it was generally speaking, it was never good what Jesus had to say about the clipboard carriers. Are you following me this morning? Yeah. Because the Pharisees, ultimately, they weren't interested in people's freedom. They were interested in enforcing people to follow the rules. If you could just follow the rules, please, just, just follow the rules. It'll make my life a whole lot easier if you could just be a good person and follow the rules. Otherwise, could you just, you know, go? <laughs> It'd be better if you, you know. And, and, and the irony with the, the Pharisees is... Really, they, they were well-meaning people, right? I mean, they, they, they were people who claimed to love God the most, but they, they actually, I, I, the irony of it is they, they killed God when he showed up. <laughs> the ones who claimed to love him the most actually killed him when he, he showed up on the scene. And, and you know what? I, I am convinced that, 
the greatest danger to the church, and as we head into the, with the elections just done, and head into the next four years, and all the changes that we may or may not see, the greatest danger to the church is not the church becoming irrelevant, it's the church becoming religious. Because listen, religion kills the spirit. Religion kills the spirit. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who proclaim to love God, but when he shows up, we kill him. And you know what's alarming is there was this study, I was just reading this last night by the Barna Group, which is a major Christian polling research organization. And uh, in 2013, they did this massive study. Thousands and thousands of believers were, were polled in this around their attitudes and their behaviors toward the unchurched. And as they surveyed thousands and thousands of people, this is an American survey, it, it revealed the results of this. And it was actually published in a, in a book, which I don't have the, the name of it here, but it revealed that that half, actually 51%, more than half of all the Christians who were polled possessed attitudes and actions that were more like the Pharisees than they are like Christ. Oops. And only, on there if you can see it, only 14% of those surveyed reflected attitudes and actions that better resemble Jesus. Uh-oh. See, the danger is that not the church becoming irrelevant, but becoming religious and having our clipboards out. And it's a, it's a difficult question that we should probably be asking ourselves. What, what if I'm far too much like a Pharisee and not enough like Jesus? Eek. Anyway, let's move away from that one pretty quick, right? In John chapter 8... If, if you're there, and I'm going to bring this up on the slides, it's not going to be a long, a long message this morning. Let me just read verse 1. So I'm going to just read it off the screen. I can't see my own text. It says, When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So while Jesus is speaking and teaching, these Pharisees, the clipboard carriers, remember, they, they bust into the room and they make her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? And they were using this, it says, to question Jesus as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Jesus bent down and if you... Know the story, I'm sure you've pictured this in your mind. He starts to write on the ground with his finger. Jesus begins to doodle. And we don't know what it was that Jesus scribed on the ground. Many people have come up with different ideas, but the Bible doesn't tell us. And it says in verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Not one, sir, she said. 
that neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and live your life of sin. You know, this, that story, that, that account is a classic clipboard moment. Like of, of all of them in the, in the Gospels, this is, this is one of the, the best clipboard moments that you know, the clipboard said loud and clear that this woman needed punishing. She needed to experience punishment. And, and in this case, that punishment was death. And, and, and this is the amazing thing about the story that, that Jesus, what he did, if you understand, he was still living inside a culture, a, 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 a season, if you will, of judgment and destruction. This was before the cross, right? You know, Jerusalem, they were still living under the law. The Pharisees were actually well within their, their Jewish legal rights to stone this woman for what she'd done. You're following me? So, but Jesus somehow got them to put their clipboards down. Amazing. That, that's incredible right there that, that Jesus, the one who they were trying to go after, managed to get the Pharisees to put the clipboards down. Why? Because so superior, listen, so superior was the spirit on Christ, a spirit of grace and of love. So, so superior. The Bible says that, that mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2 verse 13. So superior was that spirit that was upon Christ that even the prevailing atmosphere of the day had to bow to submission. To what Jesus was carrying. And I, I just believe that God is wanting, and he, he always has been, but and I, can think, I guess I'm thinking around our moving and being in the community, that God is wanting to bring into our lives a whole lot of more bobs, right? A whole lot of maybe broken people. And, you know, in, in Jesus's day, we, we read about them. For some reason, they headed in for the tax collectors and and there were the prostitutes and, and the lepers. And, you know, who, who are they today? For, you fill in the blanks. But listen, what the world needs, what the world desperately will need over these next few years is, is to see a John 8 Jesus at work in the church. Not, not more clipboard carrying people, but, but people who will laugh, who will stand for the truth, who will model it, but but will love passionately. People who will put the clipboards down and allow, let the Spirit who brings life to have His way in people. He's amazing at that, guys. The Holy Spirit is incredible to, 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 with His ability to be able to transform people. And sometimes we can get in the way of that. And yes, there are times to... to to answer questions and to facilitate and to step in at times. But I've found that most of the time, if I can just love that person and allow God to do that inner work, he does it. And there are a number of people, I'm looking at eyes and some of them are away, who, who I've done that and they've experienced, experienced your worship leaders who aren't here today are the result of, of me putting the clipboard down and loving people and watching the Holy Spirit do an incredible work in, in their lives. Come on. Come on. Jesus goes on to say in this passage, my eyes are so bad I can't even see that, but 
It's in John 8. He, can, he then teaches the Pharisees. He gives them a lesson. And, and he says to them, you can find this in, in your own Bibles. He says, listen, guys, you, the problem is with you clipboard carriers is that you judge according to the flesh. That's what you're looking at. You're just judging according to the flesh. But Jesus says this, I, I, I'm judging no one. I, I, was, I was chatting to Haniana this week. I think he's doing kids maybe and talking about people, people who need loving, not judging. People who, who, who we're, we're certainly me, tempted to pull out the, the, the clipboard. I'm saying to him, you know what? There, a lot of people wear their mess on the outside, right? Their dysfunction on the outside. It's really clear to see. You know, they don't hold that. You can clearly see that, that they're, they're, they're wearing that on the out. And then there are other people who wear their mess on the inside. And it's not so clear. And I don't know, for different reasons, people wear their dysfunction on the outside. And some of us have our dysfunction quite clearly hidden. And, and we just appear really good, right? But, but, but Jesus sees people completely different from the way that we see. We see according to the flesh. If we, if we attempted to carry that clipboard, we're going to be looking at the flesh with people and making these kinds of, of judge. Jesus, I mean, don't judge people. Love them. Love them. I read this quote yesterday. It's not on the screen. It's from Pastor Danny Silk. He says, your frustration towards people's sin. And I, I, yeah, I've experienced that. He says, is not God's frustration with people's sin. Our frustration with people's mistakes is not God's frustration with people's mistakes. See, hear me, sin is a problem but it's not a problem for God because there's already an answer it's called Christ it's called Jesus it's his performance on the cross that we can come in our brokenness we can come to him to the cross and we can surrender and and invite him and trust him and we can give him our dysfunction and all the lies that we've believed and Jesus will become our healer and our savior and our deliverer, right? Like sin is not a problem for Jesus. It can be a problem for us and it can be a problem when there's sin around us, but it's not a problem for God. Let me, uh, I think this is on the this, on this screen. First Corinthians chapter five. I'm going to just jump forward a little bit here. I love, this is my favorite sort of uh, portion of, of Scripture in the New Testament, this kind of little passage here, which is essentially echoing what we just read about Jesus in John chapter 8, except in 1 Corinthians 5, the shift is coming on the church with what it says. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, just like Jesus did in John chapter 8. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, received Christ, received his love and mercy, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he steps back and says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Right? It's kind of summarizing the gospel that that that. We have been reconciled. Those who have received Christ have been reconciled through Jesus Christ. And it says, has given us 
that's you and you, everyone here, if you are a new creation, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen, not imputing, in other words, not charging people's trespasses, their sins to them. And listen, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does all that, what does all that mean? Like, what is God committing to the church? He's committing to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are all ministers. If you're in Christ, if you're a new creature, a new creation, the old is gone, the old is new. If you're in, you are, you are carrying a ministry. That ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What is it? Not imputing, not charging people's sins against them. What's our ministry? To tell the world that Jesus does not condemn them. He wants to save them and neither will we. Neither will we. That Jesus is not afraid of their sin and neither should we be, right? And and because sin has a solution, as I said, and what we need to do is put down the clipboards. Yeah. Put down the clipboards. Now, I, I'm telling you a, a, a one-sided message here, okay? This, this is kind of, look, you, there is other sides to this, but I just feel like this needs to be kind of, kind of declared this morning. So don't write me letters just yet, right? You talk to me if you're like, hang on a minute, you forgot... It's, it's about Jesus and loving people and allowing Jesus to change hearts because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let me finish the Bob story. So Bob keeps coming back and, and causing me problems. I've got my clipboard out and I'm ready to give it to him. Keep your hands off of Bob. Leave him alone. Just love him. Put the clipboard down. Okay, That's hard to do. And, and so I'm trying hard with this and I don't really notice much change in Bob over the, the coming weeks. And, and then one morning in our Bible study group, uh, Bob's there again and I'm just tolerating him. And, and, and he starts telling the group how he actually picked up the Bible that I think was his wife's. He brought along with him and, and he started reading it. I'm like, okay, this is, this is different. You know, the other week he was saying other things about you, your good book, Lord, but... All right, you know, maybe this clipboard stuff isn't the best way to And then the next week, maybe you were there, Al, Bob tells us through tears, he's crying, he's, he's, he's having reading the Gospels. He says to us, God, do you know what they did to Jesus? And he, in tears, begins to tell us how he just had this revelation of, of what Jesus actually actually did. And, and as the, the weeks rolled on, Bob's heart began to change as the Holy Spirit did this dramatic work in him as I essentially really did nothing. Like, but love him. And in the early days, kind of inside, shake my head and go, oh, help me, God. <laughs> in some ways, the Holy Spirit said, I don't need your help. <laughs> I got this. I found the video of Bob's baptism, 2013. Do you want to see it? Yes. And, and it ends with, with Bob saying a few things that we have recorded. Let's make sure this, this goes.
me the seeds to be with you. But it ends where it's yet I still haven't found what I was looking for. I, I struggle with how do I approach them with all of my guilt and shame, my betrayals, only to find forgiveness and grace. And as I stand here, right here, right now, this spot, I have found what I was looking for. Great story, eh? I tried to get in touch, a hold of Bob in the last week. I haven't, hadn't been able to do it. The last time I heard, he was serving in the Salvation Army somewhere in the North Island, Gisborne, or the Hawke's Bay somewhere. Bob, if you ever get to listen to this message, we love you. <laughs> it's, um, it's awesome. I, I learned a powerful, powerful lesson from Bob about transformation, about the power of God and the Holy Spirit, and, and my part that that gets the privilege of, of playing in, in, in people's lives. That, you know, sometimes my, my hands of judgment and condemnation are nothing in comparison to his hands of mercy and grace. And that I got in to this salvation experience through the hands of Jesus' performance and not my own. And every single person after me does the same thing. And who am I to judge? Friends, the world's not looking or needing our clipboards. And it won't be. But it is going to need our love. Our grace and our kindness and our mercy. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's when we realize we are not being judged for all the stupid things we've ever done. We will be, but Christ has come for us. So let's make sure when God shows up, when the Holy Spirit turns up and His presence is in a place, we, we put the clipboards down. We put the clipboards down and let him do what he wants to do. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you that you have called each one of us to be ministers, ministers of reconciliation. I thank you, God, that You've called us to do many things and you've empowered us by your spirit to do them. But one of the things you've not called us to do is to change people. Is to convince people. You've called us to love people and you will do the convincing. And Holy Spirit, you will do the convicting. You've told us, taught us to make disciples, to facilitate, to Speak to people. Show them grace and love. The same grace and love and mercy that you've shown us. Help us in this new season as we venture out, as we go on a little adventure to plant ourselves into the community, to, to endeavor to reach lost people, people who are spiritually lost, people who are, who are wearing their stuff on the outside. 
because they don't know any better. And help us to show them the way through our love. And help us to facilitate a move of your spirit in transforming lives. Wherever there is this pharisaical spirit, wherever the temptation for us is to bring that clipboard out, start getting people to tick the boxes and get in line and make them look like we do. God, I pray for your conviction on us. Put the clipboards down and love this one. Love this one into my kingdom. God, I thank you for your ministry, your work, your ability to truly do the transformative work. Thank you that you've been doing it for thousands of years. You know what you're doing. I thank you for the part that you've called each one of us to play in that. And that in this day, in the days that are to come, we are to be a great light. Lord, we are to uphold truth. We're not to keep quiet about it. But that we would be known most of all for our love, for broken and hurting people. That they would come to know a God who loves them too. In Jesus' name.